So if you guys have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verses uh, 1 through 4. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have it, it's right up there on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to try to keep it try to keep it short <laughs> this morning. And all the kids are with us. Uh, so this is God's word, and it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So simple point today is just become like children. Become like children. Um, and what does that mean? So Jesus is in this, in this passage. He's gathered with his disciples, and there's probably, you know, there are other people outside of his disciples there. And the disciples come up to Jesus, and they say, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And you can imagine, it's a situation not unlike the one we're in now. There's people around. There's kids around. And they are wondering, uh, in the kingdom of heaven, and in the kingdom of heaven, really quickly, what that means is it's not heaven, right? In the Bible, generally when it says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's not talking about heaven per se, like the afterlife. It's talking about the rule and the reign of God. So it is, it, the, it, meaning, the meaning has a certain range, a semantic range, but generally what it refers to is usually the spiritual rule of God over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to his authority. So it's people who are willing to follow God. So the question that the disciples have, kind of to bring it into our context, would be more something like, what makes a good Christian? You know, or like, what makes a good person? Like, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Like, within God's people, how do I succeed basically, as a Christian. Now, they probably expect Jesus to say something like, something about wisdom, something about keeping the law, something about, you know, influence or, or leadership. One of these kind of qualities that he's supposed to point out. That's what they're expecting him to say. But instead, they're in a situation like this, and they, they call out one of the kids. Jesus calls out one of the kids. He says, hey, you, you know, I don't know, Abednego, little Abednego, come here, right? And he comes out, and he's He's here, and then he says, become like children, right? Be like, be like this kid. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does he mean? Like, how do we become like children? How do we become like a child? Because he says, unless you do that, you will never truly enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never really be a follower of God, becoming like God in character, doing God's work in the world, enjoying and experiencing his presence in your life, unless you become like a little child. Now, some people, when they preach on this, they say it's about innocence, right? The innocence of children. Now, uh, you know, I have two boys. My second son over there, he has something called... One in Korean, we call it egyo, right? Now, what that means is, 
So there's actually a Wikipedia page on this. I wasn't trying to define it, so I'm glad that there's a wiki on this. It is a cute display of affection often expressed including, but not limited to, a cute baby voice, facial expressions, and gestures. So like, have you ever seen a Korean drama? You know, the, the, it's usually females will go to like their male older brother. Randy talked about this a few weeks ago, right? But they say oppa, right? And they'll be like, should I do this? Uh, I don't. I don't want to. But they'll be like, you know, oh, oppa, like that. Like they'll do this kind of f- like cute thing, right? Like Boomi's actually older than me, if you guys didn't know. So if I went up to Boomi and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, nuna, like that. If I went up to her and did that, I hope you're disgusted because I'm disgusted at myself for doing that. If if I did that to her and like trying to act cute, they do facial things. I'm not gonna do facial. Th- I mean hand things and facial things but if they did that and acted cute that would be what that is now he does that my my mom pointed this out to me he's like he does that a lot and he does it to get things right he does it to be manipulative basically and he'll do it to her he'll ask you know boomy for something she'll say no and then he'll come to me and try to act cute to get the thing that he wants Is Jesus talking about innocence, right? The kind of humble innocence of a child? Probably not. Because children aren't that innocent. They are cute, but generally not innocent. They are, they got sin from birth, right? He says, be humble like them. What does he mean by humble? Is it like an other-centered humble? Are kids generally other-centered? No, right? (laughs) When a kid can do anything, they say, look at me. Look what I can do. Or I'm hungry. Or I'm thirsty. Or I'm tired. They are generally thinking about themselves. So what is it then? What is it? So uh, my older one, when we were potty training him, he was really scared to go potty. And so he held it so long that he became constipated, right? And so he didn't go for several days. And then after that, he's sitting on the, you know, he's sitting on the toilet. I'm like, oh, you could do it. You could go, right? I'm telling him he could go. And at a certain point, he's crying so much, and he's, like, in pain. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm like, it hurts too much, right? I don't know what to do. So we prayed, and I was like, okay, let's pray. And we prayed, and actually, right after we prayed, he just went, right? It was some kind of miracle from God, literally, because he hadn't gone for days. And then he just went. Now, that happened many years ago. And then recently, he was constipated again, and we're sitting on the toilet. He's crying again, and he's, like, overwhelmed. And he actually looked at me, and he says, he's, like, bawling. He says, it hurts. And he looks at me, and he says, Dad, should we pray? And do you know what I thought when he said that? I thought, what's up, Lukey? What's up, buddy? This moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have used him. I should have kept him up here. You know, but um He said he says he says, Should we pray? And I'm like, you know what I thought? I thought we could. In my head, I didn't say this obviously, but in my head I thought we could, but I doubt it'll work. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, because I was on my phone, like, like, what, what do we do, <laughs> right? Like, like WebMD or like what? You know, I'm looking on these these forums, I'm like, what do we do, right? 
Now, of course, it, it did work, <laughs> actually, again. I'm not saying that that works every time in that situation. But the thing is, I don't think like that anymore in some ways because I'm an adult and I believe that I'm the one in control of things. Uh, I believe that I'm in control of my world, my surroundings, my situation, myself. But kids are not. All children, what is common to all children is neediness. That's the kind of humility that Jesus is talking about. Uh, They must depend on their parents to live, to have a place to stay, to have food to eat, uh, to have clothes to wear. No matter what kind of child, you know. And all these children here, they have different personalities, uh, different temperaments, but they all need care. See, there's two ways to approach God. One way, there were two groups of people that, that approached God, right? There were kind of these elites. There was like the wealthy, the religious leaders, the political leaders. And then when they would come to God, they would say, prove to us you're worthy. Like, show us something. Right? Like, show us that you have power. Or they would try to outsmart God, right? They'd be like, hey, you know, what do you think about this complicated theological question? Because they believed in their own righteousness. They believed they already had a handle on life. And they thought, Jesus, what do you have to add to my life? What do you have to give to me, you know, that I don't already have? And then there was this other group of people that were not like that, Right? Generally, the, the way the elites came is the way that all of us come. It's a natural adult tendency to think, you know, how, how can the Bible be relevant to my complex 21st century problems, given my emotions, given my personality, given my, you know, my history? Does Jesus know that I'm an INFP? You know, does he know these things about me? Does he know the things I've been through? Does he realize what's going on in my world? How could prayer really solve problems? You know, the Bible is, is trite, and prayer's cute, and church is nice, but in the real world, we need real solutions to problems. That's generally how uh, one group of people approached Jesus. And then there was this other group of people who actually discovered who Jesus was, the ones to whom Jesus revealed himself. They usually weren't the leaders. They usually weren't wealthy. They usually weren't the elite. They were usually poor and sick and unknown and misunderstood. And they would come genuinely seeking truth because their base assumption in coming to Jesus was, I don't have everything figured out. I need help. And so I'm going to go to this person and try to find help. And I think having lived in the world, they believed that money or influence wouldn't solve their problems. They were familiar with a certain brokenness, an admission that they couldn't do it all. And to those who would seek Jesus in that way, who might even find themselves unworthy of grace, God would say, you're my child. If you become like a child and seek me like a child, you'll discover what it means to be my child, to have me take care of you. You know, 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And that is, that is a beautiful thing. Uh, application today is simple. Approach God 
like a little child. Not with all the pretense of religion, but in the honest neediness of a child. Because every time we come to him like that, like needy children, he greets us like a loving father. So I don't know how you guys have been feeling. I actually had a breakdown this week. I'll share about that another time. (laughs) But it's a long story. I got pulled over by the cops. We'll talk about it another time. But if you're feeling a little weak or a little tired or a little weary, um, if you're feeling less than perfect, you're right where you're supposed to be. You know, that is a great place to be to approach God because when we come to him like that, he reminds us of his love and his grace given to us on the cross. He reminds us of everything he's conquered in the resurrection, and he lets us just rest in him. You know, that's what he has for us today. That's what we celebrate. That's why we gather. And he is enough to meet uh, that need. Let's put our faith and our trust and our hope in that uh, today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that uh, we don't have to be all put together or live up to some kind of expectation that we think people have of us or perhaps that we even have of ourselves uh, to approach you. In fact, God, you tell us quite the opposite, that when we come in the posture of a child, God, in all of our neediness, uh, you are gracious to remind us that you are more than sufficient for us. Would you remind us of that today? Uh, Would you remind us of that this week? And would you give us the courage and strength uh, just to know you and to be present with you in our lives and to try to walk in your ways, God? Give us that. Uh, We entrust it to you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.